How you guys doing tonight? Well, um, man, I'm super excited. Here we are jumping into uh, the, ne- the second week of our party series. And the reason we're doing a party series is because Jesus liked the party. And uh, yes, and as you read through the Bible, you see Jesus partying all the time. In fact, his first miracle was at a party. We see Jesus celebrating all kinds of things with parties. And, uh, and we see that one day we get to enjoy a party with him forever. And now, if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast of the message from last week, because we were in week one, the promise, part one, and in part one of the promise, uh, we talked about um, eternal life, the promise of eternal life. So I talked about heaven last week. I talked about what it's going to look like and the dimensions of it, how amazing it's going to be. So if you didn't hear that, you want to know about heaven, you want to know about that kind of stuff, go back and check it out. It's going to be awesome. And we like to party here as well. We like to have a good time up in this place. That is why in two weeks from tonight we are going to be having the party and it is going to be a black tie event that we're going to be doing here we have the red carpet rolling in it's going to be awesome we have tables and stuff set out in the lobby it's going to be an incredible incredible night you want to invite tons of people here for that night we have invitations and stuff to give you next week to hand out to your friends and all that kind of stuff so it's going to be pretty cool don't miss that make sure that you're here make sure you invite your friends here it's just something we like to do we like to party now listen we like to party in here as well. We like to have a good time. We like to do a lot of fun things. And something that, uh, something that we, have, we have noticed is, is that, that sometimes, people take, sometimes people take partying a little too far. Y'all know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Some, some people party a little, little, too, little too far, you know. And, and there's boundaries to partying and fun partying and all this kind of stuff. And so listen. When we come into this room, we want to have a good time together. We want us to, to enjoy each other, enjoy fellowship with each other, worship God, hang out with our friends, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, the reality is, is that sometimes when I'm looking out, like um, some of you guys get a little too close to each other, you know, and I just feel like we just need to address this tonight just real quick up front. Some of you guys little get a little too close, and, and the reality is you don't realize this, but I'm sitting up higher than all of you, and so I can see everything. And so you can see my head, I can see your hands in your lap. I can see you passing notes and texting and leaning over and talking and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, it distracts me and distracts the people around you. But even that, last week um, I saw a couple people, you know, sneaking a couple little kisses on in the service. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so we just thought, hey, you know what? This is, this is a... This is a room, this is a place we want to be of reverence. If you want to kiss your boyfriend and girlfriend, man, this is church, chill out, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so we just thought, hey, we got mover lights in here. We can shine spotlights on anybody that we want to in this room. And so, and so we got leaders kind of looking out in here. And so if you decide you want to kind of, kind of you know, uh, take things in your own hands, start being disruptive, things like that, just you know, distract each other, start trying to make out or whatever, then all we're going to do is we're going to take one of our movers um, and we're just going to spot you like this. Just like that. All right? So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And uh, that's our leaders, Josh and Christina, back there causing trouble in the back. All right? And so, so that's what we're going to do. And uh, so, um, so, so you behave yourselves. Back row. Back row. Where are you at, back row? Can I hear you, back row? What's up, back row? Yes. All right. Well, listen. Let's get after it. So at the back of school bash, we talked about we talked about these kingdoms. There's two kingdoms that the Bible tells us about. There's the kingdom of the world and there's the kingdom of heaven. And the reality is, is that every person is either in the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of heaven. And every person is born into this world a sinner separated from God because of Adam and Eve's sin has been passed down to us and also because we sin. 
I don't have to convince you of that. We've all lied. We've all stolen something. We've all done things in our life that we know to transgress against God. We know those things to be true, and we hurt each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we all find ourselves in the kingdom of the world. And what happens is, is that in the kingdom of the world, there's no hope. There's no hope for, for anything beyond this world, beyond anything else. And what happens is, is that inside of the kingdom of the world, there's this kingdom of me. Now, the world or the kingdom of the world is our culture, the culture of our world. It tells us all these things that, that, we, should, that we should do. And the kingdom of the world is at odds with the kingdom of heaven. And we know that the kingdom of the world is opposite of the kingdom of heaven. And now what we know about the kingdom of the world is, is that the kingdom of the world says, hey, you need to build your own kingdom. It is about your life. This world is all about you. That is the reason why we don't respect authority above us. That is the reason why we don't want God to say anything to us in our life and we don't want to submit to the authority of God because we want to be the God of our own life. So inside of the kingdom of the world is the kingdom of me. And in the kingdom of me, me is king. I am king, you are king of your kingdom. Now, the kingdom of the world sits on the throne of pride. It sits on the throne of pride. And now we talked about there that the kingdom of the world leads to death. The Bible tells us this. For the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death, Romans 6.23. But the Bible also tells us that the gift of life, the gift of eternal life, there is this gift that you can have through Jesus Christ. And we talked about this at the Back to School Bash, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That you can literally go from death to life, from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of heaven through Jesus Christ. That he made a way for you. That God chose to send his son to die on the cross for your sins, to be buried, to raise again on the Thursday, defeating sin and death, so that you can have an opportunity, so that you could have access to God, to the kingdom of heaven. Now, those who live in the kingdom of heaven, the Bible tells us, are under the rule and reign of God, who submit to the authority of God in their life, that they're no longer king, but they let God be the king of their life. We know that the Bible tells us that there are promises that God has for us. Now, the cool thing about it is, is that there are over 30,000 promises in Scripture for the believer. Over 30,000 promises that the Bible tells us are for those who follow Jesus. Now, these promises range in all scope and all sequence. And in fact, um, there's, a, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 1.20. We'll put it up on the board. But it says this, uh, up on the screen. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, listen to this, they are yes in Christ. For no matter how many promises he has made, they are all yes in Christ. In other words, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have placed him in your life, you are following Christ, then all of the promises, all 30,000 of them are yes in Christ. Now last week we talked about eternal life, the promise of eternal life. One of the promises of the Bible and the cool thing about this conversation we had about eternal life is, is that the promise of eternal life doesn't just start when we go to heaven, but the promise of eternal life is immediate as soon as you give your life to Christ. We read the passage on Back to School Bash about Nicodemus is talking to Jesus and he says you must be born again. Obviously you can't be born again. You can't like come out of your, you know, I mean, you know, it's not gonna, it, you can't do that again, right? You've only, only be physically born one time and you physically are born one time. But here's the deal. You can be spiritually born as well. 
See, see, your bodies physically die and your souls live forever. And so, so you're physically born, but you also have to be spiritually born. And how you were spiritually born is through Jesus. And so the moment that you give your life to Jesus, you are now spiritually born. You have been born again spiritually. You have immediately begun an eternal life. So that when you take your last breath here, you take your first breath there. And what we know about eternal life is that it is forever, forever, forever. It is infinity times infinity. It never ends forever, a party with God in heaven. And it's awesome because heaven tell, the Bible tells us that heaven is a place where there's no pain. There's no mourning. There's no death. The Bible tells us there's no tears in anyone's eyes in heaven. That it is amazing, awesome. And that we get to enjoy the pleasure that God has for us forevermore. That's heaven, the eternal life. But see, what happens, though, is that sometimes, sometimes as Christians, sometimes as believers, sometimes we can start thinking, man, the only good thing that we have to look forward to in life is heaven. That the promise of eternal life or heaven is like the main goal. Like, yeah, I have struggles here on this earth, and yeah, I have pains here on this earth, but that's just the reality of living in this earth. But one day, hopefully one day, that, that, that I'll be able to get to heaven, and there'll be this, this hope of eternal life where, where all that stuff kind of goes away. But see, the Bible's promises doesn't just stop with the promise of eternal life, the promise of heaven. But God also promises us that we can have hope that we can live lives worthy of Christ even while we are here on the earth. And listen, we can't do that on our own power, but we do that through the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible tells us that God the Holy Spirit comes into every believer the moment they give their life to Jesus. And is a counselor to them, to direct them in their life, to guide them in their life. And tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the promised Holy Spirit. I'm also going to get a little theological tonight. A theology means the study of God. We're going to go a little deep into the study of God tonight. So if you're a deep thinker or if you, you like that kind of stuff, you're going to like tonight because we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? See, it's not what is the Holy Spirit, it's who is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. That's why we baptize people tonight, as you saw, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is so cool because we get to claim the promises of God. And we get to claim this promise that we have the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to put some scriptures up on the screen here just so we can... Kind of get going with this. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17 says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Jesus is talking. He says, you see Jesus present, God the Son. And he says, I will ask Father, God the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, or the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But listen, this is for the believer, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. So as a follower of Jesus, listen, this is what he says. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, check it out, guys. I'm about to go away. I'm about to die on the cross. I'm about, I'm about to go away. I'm about to leave you. But listen, God is going to bring you, give you the Holy Spirit, the counselor, another counselor that is going to be the spirit of truth. And he is going to not only live with you, but he is going to live in you. 
So as a follower of Jesus, you literally have the Spirit of God living in you 100% of the time. That is so amazing for you to get. God doesn't just send his Holy Spirit. He's not just with you when you are praising him. He's not just with you when you're doing good things. He's not just with you when you're going through a trial in your life. He's not just with you when you're in worship in here, but he is with you 24-7. And he's there to do many things. He's there to protect you. He's there to counsel you. And we'll talk about some of that kind of stuff in a little bit. I almost picture it a little bit like the Holy Spirit is kind of like, like just, a, just a, an insane MMA fighter who can just kick everybody's butt. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, bro, you can't mess with me because I got God the Holy Spirit with me. You can't mess with me. Anybody got any little brothers or little sisters in here? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know what happens if somebody messes with your little brother? Like, uh uh-uh. No, it's on. When I had a little brother, he ain't, he ain't very little now. He kicked my butt. But, but when I was younger, I had a little brother. If anybody messed with my little brother, like, it was on, brother. You don't just mess with my brother, but you mess with them. And listen, it's the same way with God. The God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And listen, when someone's messed with you or something's messed with you or the enemy comes and attacks you, Satan comes and attacks you, he isn't just messing with you, but he's messing with God. And you got a bigger brother there to, to kick some tail alongside with you. He can defeat battles that you can't defeat because he's the Holy Spirit. He's God. Now, in Romans eight eleven, it says this, And if the Spirit of him talking about the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Listen, he who raised Christ from the dead, that power, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Again, he's talking about the spirit living in you. Listen, it says, and he will give life to your mortal bodies. In other words, eternal life starts Even now, even while you still have mortal bodies, before you die and go to heaven, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is in you, working in you and through you. It gives life, eternal life, to your mortal bodies, to who you are. Now when we talk about the Holy Spirit and we start talking about spiritual things and supernatural things, we we got to slow down a little bit and, and, and kind of address some stuff before we get into it. The first is this, is that I believe in God. And I believe in the supernatural, and I believe that spiritual things happen. I believe that because God has supernaturally changed my life. I've seen him supernaturally change other people's life, and I've experienced supernatural things in my life. Now, here's the reality. If everything happens in the natural, then supernatural things don't happen. Therefore, God does not exist. So when people say, well, hold on a second. Jesus talked about walking on water. If that, that's impossible, you can't do that. Jesus was born of a virgin. That's impossible. That doesn't happen. Jesus was raised from the dead. That's impossible. That doesn't happen. Because in natural laws and in this natural world, those things do not happen. And if there is no God, it is impossible for those things to happen. But hear me. If there is a God, the supernatural does exist, and those things can happen, and not only can they happen but they do happen and they did happen so that's first the second thing is when you start talking about supernatural things a lot of times you get the crazy people you know what I'm saying well God told me to do it you know the crazy people right man you know you know the spiritual crazy people like insane Christian guy or insane spiritual guy and you're like bro like somebody you just need to be in a cage somewhere you know like you're you're just weird you know And what we have to do is we have to check spiritual things with with pastors and with the scripture. Let me explain what I mean by that. 
I believe that God still speaks to people and he still speaks through people. I believe that we get prompted at times through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prompts us. I believe God has done that in my life many times. And as a follower of Jesus, as you are being directed by the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, as you're being directed by the Holy Spirit, God works in you and he works through you. But I have people, you have somebody come up to you and says, hey, listen, God told me to go to school tomorrow and shoot everybody in school. Now, what if somebody said that to you? Bro, God did not tell you that. That's crazy. Like, you're one of those crazy people. God did not tell you that. You know why I know God didn't tell you that? Because it goes against the scriptures. It goes against what the word of God said. Listen, if you ever think God is telling you something, but it goes against the word of God, God has already spoken in his word. Listen, you are not hearing from God. You may be hearing from another voice, but you are not hearing from God. You need some help. Now, you might say that's an extreme case, and you're right. That is an extreme case. But let me make it a little more personal. You say, hey, God's given me a piece about dating this guy, but I know that he's not a strong believer. I know that he doesn't love Jesus. But God's given me a piece about that. No, 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 no. You may have a piece, but it ain't from God. Because God's already spoken. He tells us clearly. Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. What does Christ and, Id and idols have in common? What does is, what is Jesus have in common with things that are so far away from God? I mean, he's pretty clear in Scripture on this. What we do sometimes is we say, hey, I know the Bible says this, but I think God wants me to believe this way or think this way or live this way or do this. Listen, if you think that God is telling you to do something that goes against the Bible, it is not God. You are hearing a voice, and it's probably the voice of Satan. But it's not God. Trust me. I have people that come in for counseling, and they'll say, I feel like God is telling me to leave my wife, leave my husband, to go be with this other person over here. That's my real soulmate. Whoa, 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 bro. Have you not read the Bible? The Bible says God hates divorce. Have you not read the Bible? God has already spoken on this. The person that you marry is your soulmate. You fall out of love with them, you better fall back in, bro. You better figure it out. You fell in love with them one time, you can do it again. So let's not buy the lies of the world. Let's not buy the lies of the enemy. Understand that we have to guard when we're talking about spiritual things through the lens of Scripture, that it has to line up with Scripture. Now, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit just for a minute. God, the Holy Spirit, and I want you to get a correct understanding of him. This is not meant to be exhaustive, to fully explain God, the Holy Spirit, because, listen, God cannot be explained and put into a box. If our little finite minds could understand fully who God is, an infinite God, then he would no longer be God. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about what the Bible says about it. First, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, not it. He's a person, not a force. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, shows us that God is personal with us. That God wants to be personally involved in our lives. That we can have a personal relationship with him. 
That's the reason a lot of times we feel God in worship and you say, man, I experience, I'm experiencing something. Like I feel God or, or this is why sometimes you're sitting in your seat and you're, you're, you know, the message is going and you, like the hair on your arms stand up and you feel like the, the presence of God is like in the room and you're like, man, something is different. I'm experiencing something here. Or you're out somewhere. Maybe you feel prompted to like go talk to someone and you're like, man, this is kind of weird, but I don't know that person. And then you walk over to him like, man, I don't really know, but um, God, I don't know. I'm just, I just know I'm supposed to pray for you. And then all of a sudden they just start bawling, crying, and they're like, man, my world's falling apart, and da-da-da-da-da. And you're like, whoa, this is crazy. And you start praying for them and all this kind of stuff. And it was like a God-appointed appointment for you because God has led you to that moment. God is a personal God, and the Holy Spirit shows us that. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is fully divine. It is fully God. In other words, it is to be, uh, uh, it is to be afforded the same, um, the, the same uh, uh, worship um, as God the Father and God the Son is on the same level as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. And it is appropriate to worship Him as well. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is one with the Father and Son, as we've been mentioning. Fourth, the Holy Spirit enters every believer. This is what we just talked about, that not only is the Holy Spirit with you, but the Holy Spirit is in you. So the moment you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or God the Holy Spirit, literally God himself, comes in you, lives in you, and lives through you. This is like in the passage in Matthew where he says, he says, um, uh, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it on a, under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In other words, God is living within you. His light is shining through you. You can't cover it up. You can't hide it because if you're a follower of Jesus, his light is going to shine in you because God is bigger than you are. And as the Holy Spirit of God is working in you, it is going to affect the people around you and the things that you do because God is bigger than who you are. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. He directs you. He guides you. You say, hey, man, I don't experience that. I don't feel that. And maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit. Maybe God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't live in you. And if God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't live in you, then you're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. Because the Bible promises us that God will give us the Holy Spirit. Man, this is important for you to get. And finally, the Holy Spirit inspires Scripture. Peter tells us that the prophets were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, directed the words, every word that is in the Bible. They're written by men carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is inspired by God. In other words, the Bible is 100% accurate because man didn't just write the thoughts and the things that he wanted to write, but God the Holy Spirit directed them to write the things that they wrote. So the Holy Spirit inspires the Word of God. Now we are all called in the Scripture to be Spirit-filled, to live by the Spirit. And so I want to talk about this for a minute. What does it mean to be spirit-filled? We're going to look at Jesus, we're going to look at the church, and then we're going to look and see how that's relevant for our lives. And so if you got your Bibles, you can flip open to Luke chapter 1. And as you flip over to Luke chapter 1, I just want to give you a little background of Luke here. Luke is a doctor. Luke is highly intelligent. In fact, his work, the book of Luke and the book of Acts in the Bible are actually one book. Now the first five books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. John is in between Luke and Acts. 
The reason they did that is because the first four books, the Gospels, are the story about Jesus. The book of Acts is the story, the history of the early church. But Luke wrote the book of Acts. So Luke is the prequel. Acts is the sequel. And so when we get to the book of Luke, this, he writes it to this guy, Theophilus. Theophilus was this wealthy businessman who funded Luke to write down the story. And he starts out in the book of Luke telling us that, that he is giving an eyewitness testimony of the things that he has seen. What makes Luke so powerful is, is that it can't be refuted. Here's an intellectual person who is talking about the things that he's seen. And he is writing on behalf of Paul, who is the greatest missionary to ever live, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys and the places that he went as Paul's doctor. And so we get to Luke. And I, I just want you to notice just a few things, uh, a few things through the book of Luke. And, and we could really pick any of the Gospels, but specifically we're going to look at Luke. Um, as you notice in, in Luke chapter 1, we start seeing the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus. Now there are a lot of spiritual things, supernatural things that are going on during this time period. In fact, we see Elizabeth, um, uh, uh, Mary's, um, Mary's aunt and Zechariah, her, uh, uh, her husband, um, we see them getting pregnant. She had been barren. She couldn't get pregnant. Uh, God came and tells, comes and tells Zechariah, your, your wife is going to be pregnant, going to give a son. You're going to name him John. And he becomes John the Baptist, the forerunner, the precursor to Jesus who has been prophesied about in the Old Testament. We already know he's coming because the Old Testament has already told us he's coming. And this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. And then if you look through here, you can see in verse 11, it says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side we see spiritual things happen if you drop down just a little further and it says and he will be filled with the holy spirit even before he is born talking about john the baptist and then you go to verse 19 it says and the angel said to him i am gabriel i stand in the presence of god and i have been sent to speak to you to tell you about the good news and then if you jump over to verse 35 it says and the angel lord answered the holy spirit will come upon you with the power of the most high and overshadow you i just want you to notice how the holy spirit and how god is working out supernatural things during this time period and so we see all of these things happening all throughout the birth of John the Baptist and all throughout the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 supernatural things happening then in John chapter or in Luke chapter 3 we see the baptism of Jesus we talked about baptisms tonight I want you to notice here what happens um, uh, what, what he says here in, in verse 16 he says he says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. He's talking about Jesus. John the Baptist is preparing the way. The straps of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. Listen, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist says, hey, listen, I come to baptize you with water, but Jesus comes to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That something about Jesus being on the scene is ushering in the Holy Spirit in a way to where you can get access to it in a way that you've never had access to God the Holy Spirit before in your life. And then we see the baptism of Jesus if you keep reading through, John, uh, through Luke chapter 3. And in the baptism of Jesus, there's this interesting thing that happens. As Jesus is being baptized, we see God the Son, Jesus, going down into the water. As he comes up out of the water, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And so we see the presence of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. And then a voice from heaven, God says, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. 
You know what's interesting about that? God says to Jesus, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus hasn't taught anything. Jesus hasn't healed anyone. Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet. Why was it that God would say he is well pleased with Jesus before Jesus had ever done anything for God? It's because it was his son. It's because it was his son. Because he had a relationship with God the Son. See, he loved him no matter what he had done. See, the same goes with my daughter. My wife's pregnant with our first, as you guys know, and I'm proud of it. We're having a little girl. Yeah. And you know what's cool about it? What's cool about it is, is that, like, I already love her. I already love my daughter. Like, I kiss my wife's belly, and, like, I actually think I'm actually kissing the, my little baby. Yes. It's so sweet. All the girls like, it's so, so sweet. <laughs> Take notes, man. Take notes. And, um, and, and, and it's really cool because I already love my daughter. And here's, here's the crazy thing. My daughter hasn't done anything. My daughter hasn't told me she loved me. She hasn't even said my name. She doesn't even know my name. But I still love her. Listen, I love her because she's my daughter. Because she's my child. Doesn't matter what she does, I'm still going to love her. Listen, the same goes with God and you. You may not know him. You may not have a relationship with him yet. You may not know his name. But he loves you. You haven't done anything good. You haven't done anything to impress him or to please him. But he says, I love you. I care about you. I came to the earth, sent my son to the earth to die for you. And then he sent the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, so that it could dwell in you. God, the Holy Spirit, He could dwell in you to change you from the inside out. Not because you've done anything, but because I call you my sons and because I call you my daughters. Dude, that's pretty powerful. We see throughout the story of the baptism of Jesus, right at the end of it, we see that the Bible says the Spirit of God led Him into the wilderness. Then we see that the Spirit of God led Him out of the wilderness. And then we see all throughout Scripture all throughout the rest of the book of Luke. I mean, I went through and I, I could keep going on and on and on because I marked all these spots and throughout Luke. All throughout it says, and the Holy Spirit led Jesus. And the Holy Spirit led Jesus. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Holy Spirit was in him. Even when Jesus healed people, in Luke chapter 10, it says that he, he, he cast out demons, uh, 72 demons out of this guy. And, and the Bible says that he was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That God the Holy Spirit led the ministry of Jesus. That the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, led the Son in everything that he did in his earthly ministry. You know what's cool? Luke chapter, Luke chapter 1 and, and right at the beginning of Luke here, we see that the beginning that we see that the, the launching of Jesus' ministry starts with the Holy Spirit descending on him. Then the book of Acts starts. Jesus has died on the cross, he's raised from the dead, he is he is about to ascend into heaven, he's he's been just talking to all these people, over 500 people have seen him raised from the dead, the disciples, everyone's seen him, and he's about to ascend back into heaven. In Acts 1:8, he says this: talking to the disciples, you will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He tells them right off the bat that, hey, listen, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now listen, I'm going to send you out, but wait, wait for it, wait for it. And then we get to Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls on the disciples at Pentecost. 3,000 people are given, give their lives to Jesus, and we know that day to be the beginning of the church. See, when the Holy Spirit fell on Jesus at Jesus' baptism, there's a parallel here. When the Holy Spirit fell on Jesus at his baptism, what we know is that marked the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples at Pentecost, we know that to be the beginning of the church, the beginning of the movement of the church. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls on you, and that becomes the beginning of something that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. The implications for you and me are unbelievable. See, the same power, same God, the Holy Spirit, that was in Jesus, the same God, the Holy Spirit, that was in the disciples, is the same God, the Holy Spirit, that is in you. The same God, the Holy Spirit, that did those miracles, that raised Jesus from the dead, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, from that same Holy Spirit is in you. You say, hold on a second, I can't do that. I can't raise people from that. I can't heal people. You're right, you can't, but God, the Holy Spirit, in you can. You say, no, 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 that doesn't happen today. What do you mean it doesn't happen today? It absolutely happens today. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God put that on Paul's. We see it all throughout the New Testament church. We all see it all after the New Testament church. We see it throughout history. And I can tell you testimonies of pastor after pastor that I know that have seen supernatural, unbelievable things. And I can tell you story after story of supernatural things that I have seen, that God has done, the way God has healed people, the things that God has done has been unbelievable. The same power of God that lives in Jesus is the same power of God that lives in you if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Therefore, you don't have to be defeated by sin anymore because the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. It also led Jesus out of the wilderness and it gave Jesus the power to overcome while he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And that same power gives you the power when you are dragged in the wilderness by Satan to overcome yourself. But you don't believe it. That's why you keep falling. That's why we got to have this conversation. Because you don't realize the access to the power of God that you have in you as a follower of Jesus. That's why you're looking for heaven one day and you're not thinking about what difference and influence you can have today, right now, here on this earth. See, the Holy Spirit of God is no less mature in you than he was in Jesus. He's no less mature in you than he is in me, that he is in any of your leaders, that he is in Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, as he is in Martin Luther, the founder of the Reformation. It, it is, you name it, Billy Graham, you name it. The Holy Spirit of God that is in you is just as mature as the Holy Spirit of God is in them because the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is fully God. That's the reason Paul says many times over, but he says, I will boast all the more in my weaknesses. Listen, for where I am weak, he is strong. For where I am weak, he is strong. I'm not telling you to go do your life on your own power because you don't have power. I'm telling you to go live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life on his power.
Because he has the power. See, I wrote this down. I've got to read it to you. The spirit-filled life means to live a life patterned after Jesus by being led by the Holy Spirit. Living a life patterned after Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit. Now listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this makes no sense to you. You don't have any power. You don't even have access to the power. This is why it is my life's mission to preach about Jesus and the life-changing power, transforming power that God has in us and through us so that, so that you can know where you can access this power, so that your life can be changed and transformed forever. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm completely out of time. I'm going to blow through this. Let me just give you a few, the works of the Holy Spirit. If you got your notes, you can write them down. The works of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. Number one, we see the work of the Holy Spirit at conversion, at salvation. You can fill that in there. See, it is the Holy Spirit that draws us, that calls us, that brings us near to himself. It is the Holy Spirit that saves us. We can't save ourselves. It is God that is drawing us near to himself. It is us. That is why if you've ever given your life to Jesus before and you've been sitting in a service or maybe you feel it now and you've been sitting there and you're like, man, all of a sudden it all just makes sense to you and all of a sudden you just feel like this tingly feeling like, man, I just, man, there's something that's got to change. There's something that's got to be different about me. Like, like there's something that's got to happen. The second thing is this, is that it brings transformation. The Holy Spirit brings transformation into the life of the believer. That old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Things don't become new because you've all of a sudden changed yourself. They become new because the Holy Spirit of God has changed you. And it's transformative. One author says it this way. The Holy Spirit transforms us, gives us spiritual energy and joy, and we are no longer the same. The third thing that it does is it does the work of sanctification or what literally means to be set apart, that we are set apart from the world, set apart to God, that this is literally the growing part of our faith. This is the reason we say, hey, don't get this stuff right in your life with God and then come to God. Or don't get this stuff right and then come to God. We say, listen, come to God just as you are. Come to Jesus just as you are. Let the Holy Spirit of God give you victory over those things in your life. Some people think, man, i got to clean up my life before I come to Jesus. i got to clean this stuff up, man. I can't, bring, I can't try to be a Christian and clean all this kind of stuff up. Let me tell you something. Stop trying to be a Christian. You can't try to be a Christian. You can't get victory yourself. The Bible is clear here. Give your life to Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit of God work in you and help give you victory over those things in your life. That is part of the growing process. Look, the fourth thing the Holy Spirit does is he prays for us. The Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, prays for us. Look what, look what the Bible says here in, uh, in uh, Romans 8, 26 through 27. It says this, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us or prays for us with groans that words cannot express. That God is literally, God the Holy Spirit is literally crying out for us in prayer. And he who intercedes for the saints or for the Christians in accordance with God's will. He is praying for us and praying for God's will for us in our life. God prays for you. We don't just pray to God, but God prays for you. How amazing is that? And the fifth and final thing is this. God gives us gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in Romans chapter 12 that every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, God the Holy Spirit takes residence within them and begins to give them spiritual gifts. 
then to use for the service of the kingdom for the church. That's pretty awesome. I have giftings, spiritual giftings that God has given me. I'm telling you right now, when I was in high school, I was scared to death to stand in front of people. God has given me gifts of preaching and teaching His Word. Those are gifts that God has given me. It is not because all of a sudden I woke up one day, you know, and I was in our, my entire life I've been amazing at being in front of people. And probably, some of you are probably like, man, you're, you suck. I don't know what you're talking about. But the reality is, is God has given me giftings. God has given me giftings in certain areas of my life. And he's given you giftings if you're a believer in Jesus. And he's given you those giftings so that you can use those giftings to speak into the lives of other people. But you know what? You know what's more important than spiritual gifts? Spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit is more important than spiritual gifts. Evidence of your faith. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. We're going to close out tonight. The band come up. I'm going to pray. There's a couple things I wanted, to get, wanted you to get out of this message. The first is this. I want you to understand God, the Holy Spirit. And the second thing is I want you to understand that God loves you. And he places the Holy Spirit in you so that you can have power, so that you can have victory, so that your life could be different. And my prayer for you is that your life would be different. That you would understand the power that you have access to. So, Father, I pray over these students tonight. I pray, God, that you would move in their hearts and in their lives. I pray, God, that we would never be the same. Never be the same because of what you've done in us and through us. And, God, we pray these things in Jesus' name tonight. Amen.